And this story that we're going to look at this morning really uh, comes to terms with what it is to face a dilemma and to do that with the power of Christ. So I just want you to get in touch. Maybe there's a decision. We're gonna, we'll come back to this at the end of the sermon. Maybe there's a, a personal problem. Maybe there's something that needs to be solved. It may be big or small, but it has some way of, of, of ebbing into your life, even right now. Even here I am in front of God and all my friends and church and everything, but I'm still kind of thinking about that thing. Okay, so if you can kind of identify your, your dilemma, I want to talk this morning about three dilemmas. The first is God's dilemma. Once again, warning lights, God has dilemmas. Well, God's dilemma is a unique dilemma because God can do anything he wants. God is God, is God and, and, and puts all those things together, right? So God's dilemma is a dilemma that he creates. Now think about that for a minute. Two questions should rise up right away. I think, I'm not sure about this Pastor Jeff guy, okay? A, what kind of dilemma would that be? And B, why would God do that? Well, you don't have to go much further than the first chapters of, of the book of Genesis where the, the dilemma was right in the middle of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, you know, had it been me, I'd have taken that tree, put it in the back of the garden, razor wire all around it, make sure no... But, but God, just, just open this up a little bit. God puts the dilemma right there in front of us. And the dilemma this morning that God places in this very story is essential to everything that we're going to know from here on out. And it's simply this. The virgin birth of Jesus. Now that's kind of a, a, a difficult thing to, to get your head around. So if that's the dilemma, why did God do that? Why does God insist on this kind of wonky, different, catch your mind, create a lot of gossip and confusion? Why would God start Christmas this way? Well, there's, there's three reasons, and they get better as we go. The first is, God said He would do that. And one of the important things about God's Word that we all need to keep in mind is that God says and does things so that we know that God has a plan and a power to get it done. So last week, we looked at that prophecy. It's actually out of Isaiah 11, that, that uh, unto a virgin will be born this child, Okay? So, so, but that's, that's probably not the most important reason, but, but it does help us know who God is. The second reason is way more theological. So you get to, uh, if you haven't, aren't not familiar with this word, you, 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 get to, you get to have that this morning. So that would be the incarnation. The theology of the incarnation says that God is going to do something in his plan of salvation that is different than has ever been heard or seen before. That God is going to bring a Messiah that is both God and man at the same time. Not God pretending to be man on earth, or not a man who has become God on earth. 
This is far different than the, the, uh, you know, the Greek pantheon and the legends of gods before. This is God saying, I'm going to create a being that will save the world, that will be different than has ever walked the planet. Both God and man. And in order to do that, in order for uh, the sacrifice for our sin to be waged against human sin, but to be forgiven and taken upon oneself, as it happens, has to be holy. Man and holy in one place. The virgin birth reminds us, at least every time we come across it, that God has done something, while it is contrary and totally counterintuitive to us, has done something marvelous. If to use the word in its best context, magical. And has created this beautiful way in which the redemption of our souls is going to be reached in, in a way that, that has, the, the gap has never been bridged. When you, when you think about what God is doing in this incarnation, we know that throughout the Old and New Testament that, that God helped families have children that weren't having children. That happens. That's a miracle. But the incarnation, that is majesty. God becoming, and it's counterintuitive. It's introduced by this, this teenage gal that has a, a baby that is very clear in, bo in both Matthew and Luke uh, that, that with no help from outsiders. This is all a God thing. And perhaps uh, to move from, from just simply because God said it to this theology of the incarnation, let us add the final and, and maybe the most important thing. The virgin birth demands our faith. It calls each of us to say, am I going to believe that? And furthermore, and I'm, am I willing to believe a, a whole bunch of things that God is going to call upon me to believe that is far beyond my range, outside of my logic, counterintuitive to the way I would do things, uh, confronts that sense of, of who I am as a person? Because this is the, this is the, 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 the whole of the gospel that we would come outside of ourselves and see that not only has God allowed us free will and has loved us and heals us and saves us, but all of that creates this environment in which something can come from nothing. And only our God can do the impossible. And therefore, our relationship with that God grows with an intensity and a hope that, uh, well, that touches your and my life to the very core of that problem or that situation in your life right now. Regardless of how small or how large 
or how it might be a big problem to you, but not to your spouse or your children or your neighbor or your friends, but to you, this God creates a dilemma that looks inside of your and my heart and says, I am for you. I am with you. I am bringing these things to power and place in your life. I plan to say this later, but I'll, I'll say it now. The potential here is every single obstacle in your life becomes a faith opportunity. See, we come sledding up against that wall. Why is that happening? Because the God of the incarnation, the virgin birth, the God who says and acts, the God who demands faith says, I think you can survive circling the parking lot at the mall till there's a space for you. Small dilemma. But it speaks to the very root of Patience and impatience, anger, peace. Who's submitted to God and who's not? Wow. See, our God is right on it, right on time where we are. So the, the, the Joseph part of the story now makes tremendous sense to us. If we were to, and, and I skipped this because I was just so excited to tell you all that. Verse 18, this is how the birth of, of Jesus came to be. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child uh, through the Holy Spirit. That's God's dilemma. But, but let's move on to Joseph's dilemma because it, it, it gets really powerful because it, it, it's here to, uh, to, to help us see it now in someone else so we can kind of just attach ourselves to him. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her. He had in mind, that's very important, to divorce her quietly. Joseph's struggling, right? See, he's a good guy. And the struggle is, I do not want to harm her reputation or expose her to disgrace. But he's also, because he's a righteous man, he doesn't want to get it spilled in his lap either. He's working with both of those things. So he comes up with a novel idea. I think I'll just kind of divorce her quietly. I don't know if that's ever worked since uh, men and women started getting married and divorced, that anything, anything like that happened quietly, either going in or coming apart. And Joseph is stuck because he wants to do the right thing, and he's not quite sure how to do it. Let me suggest here something that, that's also very important to the, the, the whole idea of the battle that we're in. I would suspect, I don't know all of you well, but I'm getting to know you. I would suspect for most of us, our battle isn't between good and bad. Just go with me for a minute here. Let this sink in. Our battle may be, be between good and godliness. How many times have we taken not the shortcut of sin, but the shortcut of common sense? Or this is what I think we should do. And that's what Joseph is up to. 
I, I love the, the second part of this, verse 20. Just read the first line. But after this, but after he had considered this, an angel. He had got to the end of his best ideas. And they still weren't enough, and he knew it. I'm going I'm to just be a little bit bold here. When you or I take a shortcut, we know we're taking a shortcut. We may have a really good built-in excuse. So when your spouse comes to you and says, why'd you do that? Well, I'm running out of time. And I, it, it. We know when we're taking a shortcut. Joseph is, is, is trying to do the best he can in this really bad situation. Wants everyone to look good. But the best he can come up with is a quiet divorce. After all, this has nothing really to do with him. You know? Mary's created her own problems and says it's a God thing. Right? It's all right, Mom. And can't you imagine Mary coming home from high school? It's okay. I hear, here's the bad news, but it's okay because, because God said it was right. In fact, there's, I think, well, never mind. Um, that's what's going on here. It's a powerful story. And, and, I, and, you know, God's not embarrassed to bring real life to real life. My goodness, we came to church today to meet God. God can't speak to the issues that speak to the issues. So this dilemma here is not necessarily a good and bad. It's a, it's a good and godly. So it, let me finish this. It, it's, it's not when Joseph made up his mind. It's when Joseph considered things. And he says it's not quite there. God, is there anything else? Boom, angel shows up. Wow, something comes out of the Word. You get a phone call. You get an email. It all happens. God moves when we're available. And if we're not available, God's not moving. He's not going to waste it until we're ready to get it. The Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of, uh, of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what she has conceived is born of the Holy Spirit. Really? Now God's talking to him. What? She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will serve his, save his people from their sin. I got to either get bigger print or better glasses. Or longer arm extenders. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin. We got to keep coming back to that. People want to, people in Christianity or religion in general want to disperse with the hardest ideas because it doesn't seem right to them. They're, they're fighting good and godly. Godly's got to win out, not just over sin, but over our best ideas. This is the story of Joseph. He's in a dilemma. Am I going to do what I think is right? And it's pretty good. Or am I going to do what God says? And it's pretty hard. Right? A virgin. And will be with child and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph is struggling, but now he's listening. This is, a, this is the Holy Spirit. The angel is talking. To him. This is what's really cool. Husbands, pay attention here. Okay? The angel that talked to Mary is now talking to Joseph. So guys, when you kind of think that, you know, that she's not heading in the right direction, ask God to confirm that. 
I, I need to hear what, whatever she's having for coffee, that's what I want. You know, just kind of get myself in that place. The Holy Spirit, and, and this isn't just, you know, Joseph is trying to deal with a socially sticky situation. You can only imagine the gossip in Nazareth. It's brutal. And he's just trying to, and the more, you know, one of those Chinese puzzles, the more you pull, the harder your fingers get stuck. And he's trying to make that work. And the angel says, this is the Holy Spirit. But he also says, this is God's plan to save humanity. Did you think it was going to be easy? Did you think that it wouldn't be messy? Did you think I wouldn't have to kill my son for you? Because I love you? Wow. Everything is happening in our lives today, right on time. Our struggles for significance and our ideas and what we need in life and who we want to be. It's all, it all happens right here at Christmas. Forget the shopping list for a minute. God's talking. I want people to be my whole people. I want their hearts to believe crazy for me. Go out on a limb. Saw on the wrong side. And see if I'll catch them. Wow. And not only is the Holy Spirit at work, uh, uh, and this is the Messianic, uh, he's saying, Joseph, you've heard the prophecy since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. When was the last time you looked at, at, at Isaiah 7? Yeah. I, 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 I guess I heard that in church. Could be. So finally, he comes to uh, the, the, the next step in all of this. And, uh, and, and that's not only listening, but this, this piece about obeying. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Bang. Uh, I don't remember very well, so I'm always taking notes. I'm kind of, I'm kind of figuring that Joseph in his dream, uh, and by the way, I keep a note tab right by my bed and a pencil. I mean, I get some of the strangest stuff at Odark 40, and I just write it down, you know, maybe something's happening. That's kind of my thing. But here's Joseph saying, you know what? The, my best idea considered doesn't match the majesty of what God is calling me to here. And, and this is tough and difficult, but it's amazing. And took Mary as his wife. That means the betrothal vows. He, you know, he, he didn't wait for the wedding day uh, next spring. Just went down to the justice of the peace. Got it all done. Married happened. You know, forget all the ceremony stuff. I got to get on this. You know, if you hear from God, you probably want to really get on this. Okay. So he does that. Took Mary into his home because, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Now there's all kinds of stuff here, but, but just, you know, they just had separate bedrooms. 
He just said, we're this far in. I think we're just going to go with, you know, yeah, don't need any other repercussions. Let's just keep this simple. And then this, I, I don't want it to be, to, and, and by the way, um, uh, until she gave birth to a son. So, I mean, some, the, you know, you, you can go with where you need to go on the perpetual virginity of, of Mary. But there's not a lot of real solid stuff there. Jesus had uh, brothers and sisters from Joseph and Mary. And uh, that, that's pretty much, you know, what the text is really trying to say. But then I like this. And gave him the name Jesus. You know what his name should have been in, in Hebrew culture. Joseph Jr. I mean, this was, this was the pride this was, this was the glory of man, to have a son like yourself, to, to be like Adonai and, 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 and give birth to creation. And so he takes this all the way in. You know how you're, you're real excited about obeying God and several months later, not so much? Several months later, they say, you know, Bar Joseph, what shall we name this child? Uh, Jesus. What? And if you read the story about Zachariah and Elizabeth, same thing with John. He was supposed to be Zach Jr. Right? But you see, the, the longer we walk with God in obedience, the power unfolds and the majesty and the glory of God and this season is going to transport us from holiday to holy day in your heart because I'm telling you God's doing something in every one of us that is here and not here this morning in the chapel family and, and everyone who claims to be a Christian around the world this Christmas is, is not just you know to God a 2018th Christmas oh well not. It's about you and me and about a God who loves you and knows you and counts all the hairs on your head. I'm making it easier for him now. <laughs> it's that God. It's the God God who sees you as the servants of God. And the more we take these things seriously, the greater God pours out His blessing. Not because we've earned it, but because all of a sudden we're, we're in it. We're in a relationship with God, which is, which is what I want to call the third dilemma, which is our dilemma. Can we do the right thing in our day and age? Not just in our eyes or in our neighbor's eyes, but in God's eyes. In fact, doing the right thing in, in, in this day and age looks foolish to the world. It's really powerful to go the other way. All that traffic's pushing on you, and you know the sign says 55. <coughs> Small things and large things, you see. Whatever it is, can we put ourselves in the position of doing the right thing? Can we stay open? Hey, I, I've, I've met no group. Uh, you know, there's other groups growing now, but I've, ne I've met no group that, that doesn't uh, have the commonality of the disease hardening of the categories as much as Christians. Especially know-it-all Christians. 
and they've got their categories and they've got all their stuff set and, and they're, they're kind of upset that, that there's some people maybe in their church or in their home or on the block that don't think the way they do and they spend all their time trying to get everyone on board with their ideas. When are we going to give that up and get on board with God's idea? For our lives and our hearts. Or can we be open to the God thing? Not open to the world thing. But open to what God wants to speak and say to our hearts and our lives. Can we do that? Can we be there? Can we trust in God's mysterious ways? The old Scottish hymn. God moves in mysterious ways. You got a hymnal at home or whatever. Just look that up. This is outside of the fact that it's Scottish, which is my heritage. Uh, it's a really great hymn. God's constantly moving, mysteriously, majestically, powerfully. If we haven't dumbed God down to, to, to get God to agree with our common sense. If we let God be God and big, it's huge. Finally, will we obey God? This is, this is the whole thing about being Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to, you know, uh, the good old, uh, uh, the gospel according to Walt Disney, you know, the Pinocchio story. Where does, where does um, uh, Jiminy Cricket, you know, he sits, he's the conscience, right? God wants to inhabit us and be the conscience, God with us, so that we can go through the dilemmas of the world. God is not interested in fixing the dilemmas before you get there. God is interested in growing us up. God wants to give us character. God wants to see us choose God. Even if the dilemma is created or allowed by God. Like cancer... Or death in a family. Or something not working out in your career. Or a lifelong dream that looks like it's coming to an end. And we can't see any way in which there's light at the end of the tunnel. But if you've ever gone through a tunnel that has a little bit of a curve. You know. You don't see the light at first. So if you stop your car and turn it around. You never, A, you never get through the tunnel. B, you never see what God had for us at the other end. You see, our obedience is not fearful submission to an angry God or else. Our obedience is joyful gratitude because we're the people of God. We know we're saved from the or else already. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Easter story, there's more to come. God's handled it. If we're hearing it, down to the scruple, down to the difficult parts of where we live. You see, Emmanuel for us means that God is with us, not against us. In Christ, we get to work on our problems instead of letting your problems work on you. How are you sleeping? How's your immune system? You see, all that has to do with all the stuff that we're dealing with. And it happens to all of us. It's, it, 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 by, by no means is, it, you know, boy, I, I, I don't want to go to the hospital. People will think I've, I've been a weak Christian. 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that, that you know, there's, there's an opportunity here to, to work on our problems instead of letting our problems work on us. The Christmas dilemma, I'll say this again, is that every obstacle can be turned into an opportunity because that's the God who loves us and has prepared the way for us. Final thing here uh, before we close and have our offering and, and, and finish up for the morning. There are two types of Christians struggling to work in the church today. The first is what I would call uh, uh, thermometer Christians. And as long as the heat is rising around them, the mercury is rising in them, and their little red lines going, and you're about ready to blow. Because so many of us as Christians are not entirely ready to let God have everything. I know I'm not. I'm still Joseph struggling in the wilderness with you. And as long as that's true, then the circumstances are in control of my life. And if I don't get good circumstances and situations don't turn out in certain areas of my life, I'm, what's, what's going on, God? Right? The second, is, second type of Christian is thermostat Christians. And thermostats trust in God so that they can make any adjustment to the, in, the external heat or coldness in the room. Isn't that wonderful? Instead of the problems controlling them, Christ is controlling their problems. It makes a big difference to me to understand this one thing. That if God knows everything I'm going through, maybe I'm supposed to go through it. Maybe there's a, another piece of my character or another portion of my life that just needs to be turned over and looked at again. Yes, our dilemmas will find resolution either here or, or in eternity. But as they find their resolution, the key for us to know is that this is an amazing opportunity to not let the outside factors determine who we are. Joseph was going that way until he ran into God again and God gave him another just another sense of encouragement that said, hey, how about I partner with you in this problem? And we see what happens at the end of the day. That's our invitation to the dilemma of Christmas in our hearts.